A From Dublin to Cleveland production. Hello and welcome to the Blues Brothers. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong podcast. Wrong podcast. This is From Dublin to Cleveland. I am your host, Logan Howard. I am joined by the other host with the most, Brendan Thomas Merritt. And we are, of course, rocking our blue hoodies um like all the cool kids do so if you're wearing a blue hoodie today you are also a cool kid um if you're not you're not cool and you need to put on a blue hoodie so do it now um but (laughs) that is way far from what we're gonna do today um if you've read the title or seen the title we are doing uh bad stereotypes and bad food so you'll see what we mean by those um it is our top five of both bad stereotypes about our countries and the top five terrible foods that should food combos that should not exist. Um, So I'm just going to turn it right over to Brendan. We're going to do our stereotypes first. So Brendan, take it away. What are some things that people say about Irish people that is just completely not true? (laughs) Okay. So a big one is that all Irish people are redheads. Now, listen, I get it. The Quiet Man is a cute movie, but oh my goodness, there was like you know one flame-haired woman with her blue dress and sheep brown her ankles, but that does not mean every single person in the nation has red hair. <laughs> you know, the Viking gene is quite a recessive one, people. Uh, that said, up until a few years ago, we used to have an annual event where all the redheads in the country would come together in the hope of meeting Mr. or Mrs. Wright and uh, getting married, settling down, and propagating to continue the ginger line. And that is not a joke. That's literally something that they did. But I think they ran out of funding <laughs> a small handful of years ago. So there are likely to be fewer redheads born in the years ahead. <laughs> but that's okay, because they have no souls. That's a stereotype that is true. Number two. <laughs> that every Irish woman is called Mary. <laughs> you know what? It's, uh... I kind of want to say it's not true. Maybe it's true. That's almost true if you look at a certain demographic of Irish women. Particularly late 50s and older. Um, Names like Anne, Margaret, and Mary were incredibly common. Um, Every family probably has all three, sometimes multiples of each. Nowadays, though, people are a little bit more inventive with their names. You might find the occasional Mary Jane and Mary Kate, but uh, it's not so much true anymore. Stereotype number three. Irish people are obsessed with the weather. This one is true. (laughs) No matter where you go, the number one conversation starter has to be something like, it's bloody Baltic out there, meaning it's very cold. You'd perish with the cold, so you would, meaning it's very cold. There's a fierce chill in the air, so there is. You can feel the ice in the air. It should shave right through you. 
meaning it's very cold. <laughs> You'll notice a pattern. Or we use classic idioms like it's raining cats and dogs. Um, I'm not entirely sure why cats and dogs are falling mm. from the sky, but that just means it's raining heavily. Or I know it's whoosh, lashing rain again. You'll notice a pattern here. All of our conversation starters are to do with mm. coldness and or rain. Sadly, that is very, very true. Um, yeah, I don't know why we don't have anything more interesting to talk about, but Irish people love talking about the weather. It's been the same for about the last 6,000 years or so, but yeah, never gets old. If something's a classic, why change it? Number four, we hate the British. <laughs> this is not entirely true. It's a case where we are absolutely vehemently appalled at what their forefathers did to our forefathers and how inexcusably wicked, evil actions led to the absolute ethnocide of our way of life. Um, the Great Famine, in my opinion, cannot be looked on as anything other than the genocide of the Irish. But I think for most of us, we appreciate that the ones who are involved in that are now dead, and that those who are alive today are not responsible for the actions of their predecessors ancestors um but at the moment it's more like a, a big brother little brother kind of dynamic where a lot of irish people you know will gladly go to scotland england or wales on holiday i myself went to england not so very long ago but at the same time when something bad happens in England, like they lose a football match, or they get kicked out of the World Cup, or they come last in Eurovision, <laughs> or, you know, they get only six points in the Eurovision song context, you know, one point for every county that they still have of ours. <laughs> we love it. So we love to see them fail. We love to see them mess up on the world stage. But do we hate them? No. And the fifth one is that Irish people do not respond well to compliments. This is really, really true. <laughs> if someone tells an Irish person that, you know, that they did a job well done, we tend to shrug it off and say something like, you know, ah, don't be silly, ah, don't be daft, ah, don't mention it, ah, sure it was nothing. We don't like accepting compliments. We don't like getting attention. We don't like all eyes being on us. Um, we're very humble, meek people. We operate in the Holy Spirit fruit of humanity. <laughs> um, so yeah, make a big deal of us at our own peril. So there are five Irish stereotypes. Some of them debunked. Some of them, perhaps... Sean, with an element of nuance, some of them absolutely correct. What about you, Logan? What are five stereotypes people have about Americans? 
Well, before I get into that, first of all, I have a comment and two questions. First is the comment, and that is that um, the red people meeting, the red-haired people meeting up and hanging out with each other and getting married and all that jazz seems wrong. I don't know why it seems wrong, but it just seems wrong. <laughs> Giving herded makes you. <laughs> Number two, yeah, my two questions. Number one, Brendan, do you hate the British? Um, you can answer that. Okay, when I'm in my English <laughs> classroom and I teach English as a foreign language, um, I will, every once in a while, regularly, teach on Ireland's colonial past with the British. And I may possibly feign a spitting gesture very much like this simulation. Whenever I use the word British, Britain, England, or English, and uh, given that I'm an English teacher, obviously that happens regularly. But don't worry, I also do this when I mention the words vegetarian and vegan. Uh, <laughs> okay, that, yeah. that clears things up. Yeah, that clears um, things up. <laughs> no, I, I'm absolutely heinously disgusted at the tremendous evil that was carried out. But you know what? As Christians, Romans 12 commands us to hate evil. It's when we start excusing evil at the body of Christ that there's a problem. But I don't project yeah. forefathers' sins on people today. That is just total, totally and utterly illogical. But... um. That said, I, I do think it's very important to know where our nation came from, to know what we've been through, to know what we've overcome. Hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, I've printed off the proclamation of Irish independence from the 1916 Rising that coincided with World War One, where seven Irish signatories came together and declared that we are a republic, open to all Irish men and women who are going to rise up, yeah. take our place among the nations as a free land, um, giving equality to all citizens. So in terms of national pride and national heritage, yeah, I think it's biblical to stand up for your nation um, and to love the land that God's called you to. Should we waste that with hmm. hatred? No, not against people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and my last question uh, was, are Irish people heavy drinkers like everybody says that they are here in America? <laughs> Sadly, many are. Um <laughs> No, I, I, it would be remiss of me to say that every Irish person is an alcoholic. Um, I myself, if asked, would say that I don't drink. I'm not one of those Christians who says, you know, the, it's devil juice and it sends you to hell. It's just a decision I've made not to. Um, but yeah, it's, it's one of the, it, it is one of our biggest industries um so i mean i understand that people are making it 
um, legally and legitimately to make a living. Um, I think yeah. one of the problems, actually, um, about the Irish being heavy drinkers, aka a nation of alcoholics, is that in some nations, especially throughout Europe, pubs are open all day long, or at least from early afternoon. So you could have a lot of social drinkers who maybe work in the morning, go out to drink, um, for just, you know, maybe one or two glasses during the lunch hour, go back to work, and no way's lost, go about their day. Mm. Um, whereas in Ireland, pubs don't open until the evening time. So what will often happen is people who don't have self-discipline or self-control to begin with um, almost feel like they have to, you know, catch up, if you will. And, I, and then that can lead to drunkenness and, mm. and silliness. Is that an excuse for their behavior? No. Um, it's a character flaw manifesting, of course. But I do think when you see how other cultures regard alcohol as perhaps a supplement to their lunch, um, but not the main thing, I think it might be an interesting thing to try implementing here and see if perhaps um, sordid drunkenness goes down as a result. But yeah, a lot of people in the nation do love drinks, uh, alcoholic beverages. Would I say we're a nation of alcoholics? No. <laughs> okay. Okay. That answers my question. Okay. Um, so that my, uh, the defense rests his case. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, so, uh, for, for my, my five, uh, stereotypes, number one that I have is that we're all a bunch of racists. Um, <laughs> we, we have some racists. We do. We honestly do. Um, but we're not all racists. Okay. And I don't want anyone saying or thinking that we are all racists. Um, like I said, there is a select small minority few who are, and they're probably sometimes the more vocal versions that, that come out. Mm. Um, and some of them in the name of anti-racism are thereby being racist. Okay. Um, so it does happen, but, uh, we're not a whole nation of racists. And, uh, I think the more that they, that, they take the time to get to know people the less they would be anti certain races um so we're not all racist uh number two uh that we own that we that every single american owns guns and multiple guns not just one gun they have multiple guns (laughs) um this one's partially true okay i do not personally own a gun but i do have i think there's five five guns in my household um in terms of whether between my uncle and my dad uh there is plenty of guns to go around Uh, one for each family member uh i also have my cousin's fiance has probably 15 to 20 guns just just him it's just him and he's got 20 guns and every single weekend he thinks about going out and buying more guns um every other paycheck he's planning to buy another gun so wow (laughs) I do know people who are crazy about owning guns. So he's, you know, he's taking care of 20 to 30 Americans just by himself. So, 
um, the man has plenty of guns. <laughs> so this one's partially true. Um, all the next one I have number three is that all Americans are fat and obese. Um, not entirely true. Again, not completely true. It's not every single American. I would say as a nation, we probably, if, if they equated us versus other nations, we probably would be the most, um, more overweight and, and that, um, partially it's due to, because of some of our presidents that we've had in the past that have made, um, policies and stuff that were probably not the wisest decisions in the name of giving what they called good food in reality Mm. is terrible food for your digestion and for Mm. all that stuff. Um, we have the most fast food chains and we do enjoy a good cheeseburger on the regular. Um, but, (laughs) uh, but it's not everybody. And there is also, there's always those like lower there's, there's definitely a big group of people that are becoming a lot more, um, worried about gluten stuff and worried about sugar and worried about um, all that stuff rather than just the people who are like, Oh, I just worry about my calories, which who cares about calories? That isn't whether you're actually eating good, healthy food or not. Um, So number four is sort of along the same lines with fat is that we only eat meat. Um, That's all we eat. We only eat meat at every meal. We don't ever have a meal where there's no meat or something along those lines. And this, at least in my life, is almost 100% true. I have to have some sort of meat. No, uh, I'm not, I'll eat my veggies. I will. Um, But uh, I need to have my meat there too. So steaks and um, chicken Mm. or uh, seafood of any kind, meat is the way to go. not i think i would probably die if i had to only eat veggies the rest of my life (laughs) um i'm sorry if you're a veggie burger person i i don't i can't get behind that sorry i can't um (laughs) uh and the last one i have is that uh americans don't travel that we don't go anywhere we only stay inside of the u.s um Statistically speaking, 46% of Americans have visas. Um, so technically we can travel overseas, but we have almost all the different tropics and different uh, different like temperatures and stuff within our borders. So we don't really need to go anywhere. Um, there is a good bit of people who've gone to like uh, Paris and all the pretty places. Um, and I'm one who hasn't traveled outside of Canada. I haven't gone anywhere uh, outside of the country, but you know, one day I plan to going uh, to see the world and see Brendan along the way. (laughs) Um, So there you go. There's my, those are my top five, uh, top five stereotypes. Uh, Over to you, Brendan. (laughs) Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't know that eating meat was an American stereotype. But I wholeheartedly agree. If there isn't meat on the plate, you cannot say you've actually eaten a meal, <laughs> in my opinion. <laughs> Unless it's dessert, obviously. Um, but obviously, then again, maybe it's not so obvious. Because as Logan and I have recently discovered, peculiar food combinations are more normal than you might think. Examine my five examples. Olive oil 
and ice cream. No, you did not mishear me. One sad, unfortunate miscreant who does not have Jesus in his or her life genuinely thinks that is an acceptable combination of filth to stick in one's mouth. <laughs> A more disgusting, hybridic creature trumps that by putting cheese on their apple pie. No, I did not say cream. I said cheese. I'm just imagining a big block of red cheese slapped on top of apple pie. Melted or no, there's no excuse for that. That is an abomination in the food world. Another dietary sin containing cheese is to have melted chocolate on a cheese pizza. I have had chocolate pizza. It sounds a heck of a lot better. Sorry, it, sound, it tastes better than it sounds. I have had cheese pizza, but melting chocolate and putting it on a cheese pizza, it might actually be the real unpardonable sin. Forget blaspheming Holy Spirit, people. This is that. Another one that I just like to assume is a joke, but sadly, people are just about sick enough to do this, is dipping Oreos in orange juice. Oreos can be dipped in tea. If tea is not your thing, I will keep my mouth shut, or if you are to dip it in coffee, I don't agree with it. But I'll hold my peace. Dipping in your ice cream, that only makes sense. In a glass of orange juice, are Mm. you broken? And my fifth one is another ice cream one. Why cover your ice cream in syrup or custard or cake when you can saturate it in soy sauce? Now, I have no patience for soy boys at the best of time, but you start messing around my ice cream, and we're going to have a problem. They are my five. Thoughts, Logan, and then try to best them with your own. Um, they those are. are all an abomination. That's that's what I will say. I, I will not try Never them. Not I once. will not uh, eat them. I will not eat your green eggs and ham. No way, Jose. Um, <laughs> I will not have them in a car. I will not have them uh, in a bar. Um, no, no thanks. <laughs> um, so I feel like it's time for five more mm-hmm. abominations that you will and should not eat. <laughs> um, yeah. Chocolate, uh, pickle dipped chocolate. Um, I'm sorry. I do not need to grab a chocolate off of a shelf or from a box and then eat it and find a freaking pickle inside. No thank you. No ma'am. No sir. No, 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 no. Um, Number two is, uh, I think, worse. Um, It is Jell-O egg shots. Um, Jell-O egg shots. So for those of you who can't really imagine this, this is the egg whites 
uh, with the, the center of the egg, you know, so you, you hard boiled the egg, you have the whites, and then you pull out the, the little yellow part in the middle, and then you pour that full of jello, put it in the freezer, and then you eat that. Um, no, I don't think a sugary, watery, icky substance belongs inside of the whites of an egg. Um, no, we're not doing that. Um, number three, and this one I think is the most disgusting on this list. Um, it is mustard poured onto pumpkin pie. <laughs> um, mustard belongs nowhere near pumpkin pie. Mustard does not belong at the Thanksgiving table. Mustard does not belong almost anywhere. Um, I'll let you put it on a hot dog or mm -hmm. a hamburger, but I'm not, I'm not letting it on anything other than that. And it does not belong on a sweet treat. Um, so that person deserves to suffer for a long time in <laughs> hell for that. <laughs> um, <laughs> Ow. Uh, sort of along the lines of Brendan's uh, orange uh, orange juice and Oreos. I have orange or Oreos and salsa. Um, again, if you're dipping <laughs> Oreos in anything other than no. milk, tea, coffee, chocolate milk um and you're dipping it in salsa ice cream I, I think something has mentally broke inside of you and uh you need to get help you need to get help quick um and my last one number five is mint chocolate chip i think it's just some sort of mint chocolate chip coating put on to fried chicken um, I think my sister might enjoy this because she enjoys both of these things, but there is no need to be putting anything on fried chicken. I, I'll accept honey at, at an extreme, and honey is an extreme. It's a little weird having honey on mm. your chicken, but mint chocolate, mm, no thank you, does not belong. Um, so there you have the 10 abominations. Um, you can give us which one's the worst or which one's the best or any of those things, which ones you want to try. You can send us an email at uh, from Dublin to Cleveland at gmail.com. Brendan, <laughs> uh, anything you want to add to uh, the nasty food or, uh, or you just want to get right into our Bible verse? Only if there is a hob hot in hell for the people who have perverses the foods that Jehovah Jireh, our provider, has graced us with in these insane, ridiculous combinations. And as for that, mint, chocolate chip, ice cream, fried chicken. For goodness sakes, would you not just eat your chicken for dinner and have ice cream for dessert? Are you really so gluttonous and impatient that you can't just, oh, I don't know, wait five minutes? There's no excuse. But you know what, people? No We've looked at some crazy and obsessing stereotypes and assumptions about our nations. And we've looked at some ridiculous and reprehensible food combinations that our currently lost, but future brothers and sisters in Christ are currently lost in. But another thing that might often seem lost and hopeless is the human race you know sometimes you go on social media or you know you see dancing 
nurses on TikTok who refuse to treat your cancer-ridden best friend because they're too busy dancing to, well, whatever the newest song is at the moment. Or, you know, you look at opinions people have on Facebook and Twitter, and you think, oh, can the ground just open up and swallow me like it did those Israelites who ran for Moses and Aaron? <laughs> but we are still the objects of God's affection. And if you're like me, <laughs> you believe every word of the Bible, but passages like we're about to look at, they challenge you. So turn with me to Psalm 8, 3 to 6. Psalm 8, 3 to 6. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him? The son of man that you care for him? You made him a little lower than Elohim. Some translations say the heavenly beings, others say than God. And crowned him with glory and honour. You made him ruler over the works of your hands. You put everything under his feet. And just in case you missed that and the significance of those words, they're later repeated in Hebrews chapter 2, verses 5 to 8. So God obviously thinks that they're of great importance. There are a few things I love more than going outside on a snowy night and just looking up at the sky. I think the moon, the stars shine all the more brightly. And I think, wow. If God had never made planet Earth, he could absolutely have amused himself for all eternity just by looking at these stars he's created that cause him no trouble, that don't break his heart, that do not intentionally side with his arch nemesis, even though his Holy Spirit lives within them. Hello. <laughs> But his thoughts are never not of you. As numerous as the sand is on the seashore. And you might think that's just a metaphor, Simonite people. But the Bible doesn't tell lies. It only tells the truth. As numerous as the sand is on the seashore. That's how many thoughts he has of you. And of me. You're always in the forefront of his mind. He's always desperately in love with you. He never doesn't want to hear from you and see you reach out in your full potential as for our Holy Spirit's leading and to be all you can be. So if you feel abandoned by God or let down or hurt or disenfranchised, or you're in a season of doubt. Just know that he is absolutely in love with you. He is absolutely good. And he will show 
a facet of himself to you, whatever you go through. There'll be times when you're sick, he'll be your healer. You're broken, he'll be your restorer. You're hungry, you're stopped for cash, cash, he'll be your provider. You've been rejected, he'll be your very best friend. You're an orphan, he'll be your father. You're in need of putting your life together, he'll be your sovereign lord. He'll give you direction and lead you step by step. Because he's always mindful of you. And he always will be. All right, Logan, what about you? First of all, amen to everything Brendan said. I think it's very timely and we all need that in our lives of remembering that God cares about us and thinks about us. Even though, you know, creation is huge and mighty and extravagant and yet he thinks about us who are finite, um, small creatures who he's in, mm. he's given the honor and glory of being called image bearers and um, has those of us who know him as their savior have instilled his spirit in us. Um, just amazing things to think about. Um, the thing I want to just add is um, if you see, if, you, if you're reading in those verses, you see a, a phrase, he says, and the son of man that you visit him. Um, a lot of us could say that's just like a, uh, that's an interesting phrase because that's, that's the thing that Jesus referred to himself the most, okay. calling himself the son of man. Um, uh, that was his favorite favorite term and title for himself we could easily say well that's just a coincidence that that got put in there but as you read through it um and like brendan said you see again in hebrews it's talking about jesus it's talking about the son of man that you visit him for you've made him a little lower than the angels that means he came to earth he came um to us as humans he, he wasn't in heaven with god anymore um crowned him with glory and honor made him to have dominion over the works of your hands and you've put everything under his feet. And it continues on saying the sheep, the auction, beasts of the field, birds of the air, fish of the sea that passes through the seas. Oh Lord, oh Lord, how excellent is your name in all the earth. Um, this is, this is what's going to, to happen one day. He has been, he is, I mean, Jesus is right now seated at the right hand of the father. He's ruling and reigning over everything throughout the whole world. But we're going to see it with our own eyes if we have come to knowledge of Jesus Christ and believing and trusting in him that he is who he said he is, that he did what he said he did, which was die on the cross, rise again in three days, and has conquered death forever. Um, which means that Satan and the power of hell have no power. It's gone. Their power was always death. They could always take people to death and they could take them to the depths of hell because eventually you're going to die. That power is gone. They have no power. Now he is the one who's ruling and reigning and is allowing those who know him to come and to believe in him and to come be with him forever one day. Um, and we're going to see this in, in, our, um, in our existence. We will see this. It may not be here on earth it may, in terms of, you know, as, we've, as our lives on earth, it might not be we just get to immediately just get raptured into heaven. Some of us may have to pass away. But we will see this in our existence. We will see that he will have rule, physical rule. We'll see his kingdom in one day. 
Um, he's in he's in control of it now. He always has been, always will be. Um, but we're going to see it with our own eyes one day, and that's something to look forward to. To look forward to being with Christ, being seeing His rule and reign. Um, and when we again, we I mean, we've talked about this multiple times about how people think that heaven is just singing all the time, and you're all just wearing your white robes. Um, the reason we think that is because there's verses that talk about how we'll be singing to the Lord, but that's because that's what's coming out of your heart. So as you're going out and doing things, what God has in store for us in the kingdom to come, we're going to be singing in our heart all the way with joyful noise to the Lord all the day long, um, singing his praises, worshiping him, honoring, glorifying him and everything we do and everybody we talk to is doing the exact same. And it's going to be an amazing, happy, joyful, loving place that is nothing like this earth. So with that, let's close in prayer quickly, and then uh, hopefully the rest of your week, wherever it is and whatever's going on, um, God will be blessing you through it. So Jesus, we thank you so much. We thank you that you've given us this time just to speak, to share your word. Um, Lord, we're so thankful that you came and sent your son um, to have rule over the world, to have rule and reign, that you've put everything under his feet, that there's not a thing that could knock him off, that could take him out, that could... um, punch him off of his throne off of his perch you he is in complete control um i I like to think of it as uh someone standing on top of someone else and he is in complete your complete control of that person he he can't be moved off you can't knock him down um he is in complete control he is in rule of all creation all of the earth he's even doing things that now we can't even comprehend how that's done um science hasn't even figured it out yet um, and we're so thankful that he is in control of all those things. You are in control of all those things. So, Lord, we pray uh, that you would help us the rest of this week to remember that your control and your rule over our lives, over our destinies, over where we're going, we would put our trust in you, that you know exactly our plans and our paths. Um, and so whether uh, we live in Cleveland, whether we live in Dublin, whether we live in Germany, whether we live in Canada, whether we live in Japan, whether we live in um, – in California or Texas, that you would uh, bless us this week. You'd take care of us. You'd help us to remember your rule and reign over all creation. Um, In Jesus' name, amen. Have a great rest of your week, everybody. We will see you next time. um, And uh, keep listening. There's always more to come. (laughs) Bye.